0: This is the Mike Lupica Podcast.
1: This podcast is great because your enthusiasms it's why we've all been reading you for so long. This is a great vehicle for you to actually get to in a long-form way explore those enthusiasms sometimes with the perspective of an additional 10 or 20 years
0: thanks for doing this today pal my pleasure thanks for having me Thanks for having the me. fun of this is I just talk to guys that I want to talk to that's what to me is such a blast about listening to your
1: show first of all the first time I ever saw Bernie on television I started to talk like him <laughs> as I was watching him <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the great
0: Michael Jordan saying, hey you know what we can't beat the pistons let me go join them the essence of sports is about competition in your face questions how much of a dope is he compelling a billion dollar industry the biggest we've ever had in sports in this country often comes down to a flip of the coin
1: this is the mike lupica podcast here's mike lupica mike lupica
0: Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Mike Lupica Podcast. Uh, Today, we're lucky to be joined by my friend and one of the most talented hosts in the television sports business. You see him on ESPN's Get Up. He is Michael Greenberg. But before we get started with Greeny, a word from our great sponsor, Kronos. Kronos knows that many organizations maintaining a modern workforce of hourly, full, and part-time workers, for them, it can be a challenge. This is especially true for human resources professionals working hard to attract and retain all the best talent that's why Kronos puts hr payroll talent and timekeeping on a single cloud-based platform it's one specially designed to give hr professionals supporting a blended workforce a whole new level of confidence With it, they have everything they need to tackle nearly any human resources challenge and are empowered to not just find and hire the right people, but to engage, motivate, and reward them every single step of the way. Learn more about Kronos HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them because Kronos is at heart a people business at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Kronos Workforce Innovation That Works Welcome back to the Mike Lupica Podcast and uh, every chance we can get my friend Michael Greenberg on we do his show get up just gets better and and better it has become you know what i think they wanted it to be from the start sort of a morning joe of of sports television with his repertory uh, theater of of men and women who are around Greeny. but it all organizes around him and i was watching it again this morning and i and, and we really think of today's podcast as, as sort of an outreach program because I don't know if there has been a lower moment for my friend Mike Greenberg in his life of being a Jets fan, but I can't imagine that things were ever worse than they are right at this particular moment. And on that cheery note, good morning, Mr. Greenberg.
1: Good morning. And I I mean, yes, I think on some level you were right. And I should have seen this coming because in my life as a Jet fan, which now is basically 50 years, um, the the. Worst moments always come when expectations are the highest. And I really did genuinely believe that there were very good things in store for the Jets this year. I was somewhat enthusiastic about where they netted out with the new coach and the new general manager. I was and remained very enthusiastic about the young quarterback I was, and I suppose remain very enthusiastic about the acquisition of Le'Veon Bell and some of the defensive players. But of course, what happens is that before you even can blink, uh, the best defensive player they acquired is Hurt, and the quarterback has Mono. And, and I, think, I think that if I were to write the someday the autobiography of my life as a Jet fan, the title would be, And Then Sam Darnold Got Mono. That's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the way it's been. And, and from that moment forward, it has just it, it was over. I mean, the Jet season was literally over the moment that diagnosis was made and and now you're just figuring out how you can develop him whenever it is he comes back and start thinking about next year and that's an awfully depressing place to be before you even get to october
0: you know it's funny we were doing our sports reporters podcast with mitch and bob yesterday and and Greeny, i have to tell you this i'm you know i'm the parent of, of four grown children my daughter's still in college and I, I was never one of the ones making prom jokes about mono because not all of my children had it, but a uh-huh. couple of them did. and 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 it's it's like serious stuff when it happens to an adult, even if it's a young adult.
1: correct. and And um, I know that he has said um, on our mutual friend Michael Kay's radio show, that his plan is to be back when the Jets return from their buy. For those who are not aware, the Jets have the early buy, which is also generally a terrible thing to have. Maybe in this case it actually winds up being a blessing. Um, but the, the Jets have a buy this week. And then they play the Eagles, and he's talking about being back for that game. Now, look, i love for him to be, and maybe there are varying levels of mono, um, but as a general rule, you are 100% right in my experience. Mono is a serious thing that requires a, a lengthy period of being essentially flat on your back. And, and when you're a professional athlete, of course, then whenever it is that you're sort of up and have some of your energy back, I have to assume you have to start working yourself back into shape. So what I had first heard when this diagnosis was made was that it would be several weeks before he would be sort of even basically mobile, and then several weeks after that before he'd be in any condition to play in an NFL game. So that was my expectation. If he does come back a lot sooner and all of the doctors and, and he himself are perfectly fine with that, okay, well, that's that's great news. Um, I, I, but I hope he doesn't rush it back because I, I am now firmly of the opinion the most important thing they can do this year is just develop him into being the quarterback I think he can become and start thinking about winning in 2020. Because I think this season, when you look at the way the schedule lines up, is already hopelessly lost.
0: Talking to my friend Mike Greenberg, and, you know, it's well documented. He's my favorite person um, at ESPN. Greenie. I I was slow taking a look at the Jets schedule. I know that you as soon as it comes out, you're you're all over it. But when I did, I was horrified. And so you still had it was like a it was like, you know, the remake of It, okay? And and but what, you still had high hopes for your team after looking at their first 6 games.
1: Yes. So for those who don't know, the first 6 games were Buffalo, Cleveland, New England, then the bye, then they get Philadelphia, Dallas, and New England again. And I have said repeatedly, because if you look at the way the schedule then breaks, that if the Jets were 2-4, and four, they had an excellent chance to make the playoffs. But... And another thing I said repeatedly, I'm sure I said it to you, was the Buffalo game, the opener, was critical. Absolutely critical. You had to win that. Because then if you just find one other win out of Cleveland, and look, the Browns have turned out not to be nearly as good, at least to this point, as we thought they might be. The Patriots, that's not looking good, obviously. Eagles, Cowboys, just find one more win in that group. And then the schedule lightens up considerably. Losing the Buffalo game up 16, nothing at home and deep in the third quarter was devastating. I mean, it was a gut punch that they probably weren't going to be able to overcome anyway for your quarterback to then be diagnosed with mono. The following day was, you know, now all of a sudden it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a knockout punch. Um, and that's what it became. But yes, I thought if they got to two and four, because they have two games against the dolphins who are tanking. Um, I wasn't expecting Buffalo to be as good as they've looked. I'm still not convinced they're going to be that good. Um, um, and, and there were more games, I don't have it in front of me, but other games down the way that I thought the Jets had a chance to win. I thought they had a really good chance if they were 2-4 and four, to get to 9-7 and seven, and if everything worked out perfectly to get to 10-6. and six. Um, You know, unfortunately in that division, you're playing for second place every year. Um, and, and that will be the case until Tom Brady retires, which at this rate may not be for another 10 years. Um, <laughs> but I thought they had a chance. And, and unfortunately, they blew the Buffalo game, and it has been all downhill since.
0: Greeny, when, when 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 you look at your team, OK, and, and again, the, the Bills loss was devastating, except I think the Bills are going to be better than people thought, not just because they're 3-0. and And we could have a good laugh next Monday. I, I actually think with the injuries and Antonio Brown and everything, the Patriots might have some trouble in Buffalo on Sunday afternoon. And you know as you know the, the the Bills are now the champions of MetLife uh, Stadium mm-hmm. and their quarter, their young quarterback looks he looks pretty good okay and so as a Jets fan let's just say the Bills are ascendant Brady's not going anywhere <laughs> it's it's another it's another dark cloud hovering over you if the Bills are actually getting better
1: Yes, the, the the darkest part of the cloud is that this was the year the Jets were sort of looking at. It's the second year with the franchise quarterback. They had all the money to spend in free agency. They spent it, I think, wisely. I mean, injury aside, C.J. Mosley is a terrific player. Le'Veon Bell is a terrific player. They got true superstars on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, this was sort of the year they were building towards. And what's going to happen now is let's see what the Dolphins are when they come out the other side of whatever this disgrace that they are currently going through is. Um, I think they're going to I'm, be I'm relegated.
0: I, I actually think they're going to screw. be relegated to the second division in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I think.
1: They, they, they should. They should be relegated to the XFL or, or some other lesser, the Canadian Football League. Uh, tanking is a whole other discussion that we can have if you want to. It's a, to me, it's a disgrace and in that sport. It's, it's the worst because of the potential for these guys to get hurt and to genuinely have their careers ruined um, by, by just being sacrificial lambs in, in the pursuit of some distant goal. Um, but having said that, the worst thing about tanking is that it works. And so the Dolphins will probably get to be good. Um, look, I, I, the Jets... If everything, if they just could sort of run it back again next year, maybe things will go their way. Um, maybe Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley and these guys will be healthy. Um, maybe they, I still think there's a real chance the Jets are going to play much better as this season goes on. Unfortunately, they've buried themselves at 0-3 with Philly, Dallas, and New England coming up realistically speaking, the bet if, if you play great, you're going to be one in five. And one in five teams just don't make the playoffs in the National Football League. So I think they will have a good second half to the season, assuming Darnold does come back uh, and is okay. But I think it's going to be too little too late to accomplish anything of consequence this year.
0: Mike, do you ever remember the, the, the Patriots and the Jets b- being played out by October 21st. This to me was extremely unusual, a a quirk in the schedule that I don't understand. But when you talk about the schedule after that, I'll I'll let you get back to that in one second. Yeah. After that game, they play the Jaguars. They play the Dolphins. They play the Giants. They play the Redskins. They play the Raiders and they play the Bengals. So now looking, having it in front of me now, I can see why you were incredibly devastated By the Bills' loss. Because you can create a scenario that they've beaten the Bills. And let's say Darnold does come back because the Eagles do not look like world beaters. They could have been where you wanted them to be after the second Patriots game, which is 2-4. and
1: correct because you just ran through it and um, you know you never know going into a season how good or bad any team is going to be and injuries are the ultimate X factor in all of that but that feels like a stretch where they could get insanely hot they could if, if they were as good as I hoped they could be then they could rattle off a bunch of wins. And as I said, if everything went right, nine and seven felt like a real possibility and the outside chance at ten and six, which probably gets you in to the party. So that 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 was to me that was the best case scenario. Um, but there's nothing you know, the best case scenario every once in a while happens. Unfortunately, it just doesn't ever happen to the Jets. <laughs> the best case scenario is very rarely on the menu as far as the Jets are concerned, and it does not appear that it's headed that way. And again, even if they rattle off a bunch of wins there, if they're one and five or God help us all O oh and six, then even if they win five of those six games, they're still not going to make it into the playoffs. And that and that and they probably won't. Teams very rarely win five of six games unless they're New England. So and look, there are a lot of really good teams in the AFC right now. I think Baltimore is the goods. Kansas City is obviously great. Um I think the Colts are really good. If, if They're Andrew Luck away from winning the Super Bowl. I, I most underrated coach in the business, Mike. Is Reich. Frank Reich is, yep.
0: Frank Reich is the most underrated coach, I believe, currently working in the national football. You agree?
1: I do. And you know what? He won over his team with a moment last year that I criticized him like crazy for. And for the fans listening to this conversation who may not remember, they were playing a game early in this, relatively early in the season, but I want to say they were one and three or one and four at this time. And they found themselves deep in overtime. And he went for it on a fourth down rather than punting, when punting would have essentially assured a tie. Yep. And he said afterwards, I'm not playing for a tie. He would rather lose the game trying to win it than, than play for a tie. And he, play, he put himself and his team in a position where they were much likelier to lose than, than win, and they wound up losing. And I went on the air, and I went crazy the following day. And Dan Orlovsky disagreed with me, and he said he will win his team over for having made that decision. Now, I will never, ever agree with the notion that a tie is superior to a loss under any circumstances, but I do think that, that it has proven to be right that he won that team over, they believe in him, And I love Kobe Brissett. I think he's really good. Uh, But he's not Andrew Luck. If that team had Andrew Luck, I would pick them to win the AFC right now. Because top to bottom, they are really good.
0: Mike Greenberg is our guest on the Mike Lupica Podcast. More of our conversation with tortured Jets fan Greeny right after this from MyBookie.
2: At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. So do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My Bookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. My Bookie has all the latest lines in the NFL and college football. You can even continue to bet as the game goes on with in-game live betting. If you're going to bet this football season, you have to bet with My Bookie. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. And listen to this. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code MLupica to activate the offer. That's promo code MLupica. Visit mybookie.ag today. Use the promo code MLupica when setting up your account and my bookie will double your first deposit. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Mike.
0: Talking to Mike Greenberg on the Mike Lupica podcast. We are always happy to have him on. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, of tanking because I think you and I are in the same lane on tanking. But there is a model for it that everybody who has done it would like to be. And that is and this will come up on, on, on your show. OK, the Houston Astros. I wrote a column about him last week in the same decade. Michael, this will never happen again in baseball. A team lost 100 games three years in a row. And at the end of the same decade, they've now won 100 games three years in a row and our, our, will be the best team in baseball going into the playoffs. So if you have smart people and you know how to do it, you, you forget about trust the process in, this, in Philadelphia. They've never had the success that the Astros are having. The Astros have become the template for doing that in sports because they did it better than anybody has ever done it before.
1: Right Well as I said before, the, the worst thing about tanking is that it works. Um, the, the, the champion of, of Major League: Baseball not for the Knicks. The Astros not the cop not for, not for the Knicks, Mike. <laughs> well, but the Knicks see the thing is, basketball is different. Because basketball is the sport where you tank for one person. you got to get one person. And if you don't get that one person, then it was all for naught. Basketball is the sport where one guy turns everything around. The Knicks have have, have built their their entire business model has been let our city attract the superstar who wants to come play for them. And they got one-upped or two-upped in their own city by the Nets this year with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But you name the star, every single one of them has pointedly decided not to go play for the and i believe the owner is the primary reason for that but in major league baseball the cubs did the same thing the astros did and they won the world series and while have they have not had the same level of success the astros have had since they have been a contender every year since and figure to be practically every year for the next half decade at minimum so it works but here's what happens it is ruining baseball Mike, because one of the reasons the Astros have won have 100 games in three straight seasons is because they're feasting on teams that have thrown in the towel on purpose before the season began. There are four teams in the American League out of 15 that aren't trying to win. That's a quarter of the league not trying to win. And so the reason the Yankees have won as many games as they have, I, saw, I, I believe that, that this year, uh, did I see this correctly? Uh, the Indians versus the Tigers this year were 18-1. and one? Did I oh. see that right? Where the Yankees seventeen and two? So the Yankees the were. I
0: didn't know about the Indians and the Tigers.
1: The Yankees were seventeen and two against the Orioles. Seventeen and two. So. That's ruining the sport. People talk about what's going on in baseball and why they're in trouble. They have two major problems. One of them is the ball, which has turned every pop fly into a uh, you know a, a Mike Lupica uh, you know a six iron directly into the left field seats, and and then the other <laughs> is that the, the other is that there's so many teams there's so many non games. These are not it's not entertaining. Well, who wants to go watch this? Uh, there are teams that are just tanking shamelessly. And I think it is really hurting the sport. And if there's one team at a time doing it in football, it's not going to make a whole difference. Uh, And the Browns did it, and to some degree it seems to have worked. And now the Dolphins are doing it, and let's see if it works. But if three or four teams in football should ever be doing it at the same time, it is going to be a real problem. And I really hope someone, and I believe they are, um, on park avenue was thinking about that and thinking about ways to augment the process to keep that from happening because i really I, I i am fearful that that is going to become a trend and i think it is the worst thing going on in sports right now
0: before we get to a guy who's obviously just made patrick mahomes yesterday's news and is the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, Daniel Jones. Um, Uh (laughs) Okay. I just want to talk about, you know, I have become an unbelievable, uh, you know, this will get back to him, but but he knows what I think. Orlovsky uh, fanboy. I, Uh I, I love watching you with Dan Orlovsky on your show. I think his take on pro football is as smart and funny and entertaining as there is. Mike, I was watching your show today. And he, when he broke down how the Browns in that key moment on Sunday night used the same formation three times in a row, nobody had told me that. And, and it's like I always used to say about McCarver when McCarver was at his very best with the Mets. He told you stuff about pitching and catching that, that you just didn't get anyplace else. That's, that's what Dan does on your show.
1: I agree. I, I will say thank you on his behalf. He's great. And, and there's only one way. I mean, you have to have a natural ability, obviously, to do it. You have to have the understanding. And look, the guy played 12 years in the National Football League. And, and yes, of course, he was a backup for most of that time. But he know, when he's looking at film, no one knows better what they're seeing than he does. Um, and his... His, the, the work that he puts into it, he watches every game. He then goes back and watches the tape of every game. We have a production meeting in the morning where we go over the things that we want to get into in the show. He will then lock himself in a room with the tape, and he will watch every single play that is relevant to the conversation we're going to have. So he has the most informed possible opinion and can um, convey that to our audience. And if, if one of our charges on our show is to make our audience smarter, to make you a smarter sports fan, I think he's doing that extraordinarily well. I agree. And he's seeing things that, look, you and I, we both watched the game our whole lives, but you and I couldn't identify that by looking at the film. No! He can identify that stuff looking at the film. And he's very good at it. He's, he's got a little bit of Tony Romo in him in that regard. Romo, I think is the guy who was also doing that. The, the other day I'm watching red zone. The jet game was un, unimaginably awful. Um, and I, I switch over to red zone. And in the instant that I have switched the channel, I hear Tony Romo say the words. If they go to Seattle, against New Orleans, and, and the Seahawks are down by the goal line. And I hear him say, the, he circles the left side of the line of scrimmage, and ah, he says, Russell's it, yeah. looking over here. He could fake it give and go that way, and literally one second later, that's exactly what he does for the touchdown. There's just an ability to see things that certain people have and then the ability to communicate them quickly. And Romo has that, and I think Dan has that. I think Dan is doing, um, in, in the milieu that he has been given, the same stuff that Romo is getting so much completely justifiable praise for doing. And I, I think that Orlovsky is that guy. I think he's, he's Tony Romo on the air right now. I think he's that kind of good.
0: I think he has a Collinsworth quality to, uh, to him as well, Michael. And, and, and I, I can remember, when Collinsworth was first came along, he was working in, in in the studio format, and all of a sudden, my mail, a lot of my mail that I was getting to the Daily News was about Chris Collinsworth, and I'd said, "I better take a look at this guy because he's obviously capturing people's attention." And I just think, I honestly think the sky's the limit for, for for Dan, and it's a great story. He was just sitting in his house commentating on the games he was watching, and his wife said, "You ought to, somebody ought to see this," and he put it up on YouTube, and the The rest is history
1: correct. The NFL Network hired him. People who run our network saw how good he was and they brought him over and one of the first assignments they gave him was my show on Mondays um, and, um, and, and it worked out really well. We were developing a new identity right at that time. It was the beginning of last football season when we sort of uh, changed course a little bit on what our philosophy was in the mornings and he fit it perfectly. And, and here's the other thing I'll say about someone like Dan. And he's not the only one. I, he's phenomenal but I think this is the direction that I'm trying to go with our show And I think um, particularly when you um, compare it to someone like Chris Collinsworth and others like that, like 10 years or so ago, when it came to covering pro football in particular, you were looking for takes. You were looking for strong opinions because that was what made an impression on people. Now, those strong opinions are so commonplace. They're everywhere. You know, the, the, you, you can get strong opinions in so many places all week long that I think the new next level of really good analysts is, tell me something I don't already know, um, which I think is a, lost, a little bit of a lost art form in all of that. There, we went through a phase there where everyone was just trying to shock you a little bit with some big, grand pronouncement. Um, but now what I think that, that has happened is sports fans know so much more, see so much more, and hear so much more, that the ability to tell you something... you. don't already know is a pretty unique one and i think dan and and several others have gotten very good at that
0: mike you just alluded to one of the great lines by one of my heroes the great pete hamill pete used to say that the test of a good newspaper column was when when the reader finished it he said one of two things i didn't know that or I'd never thought of it that way before, and he said ideally they would do both, and that's that's the kind of work that Dan is is doing uh, primarily. I mean, I I see him on 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 your show, and it's it's just terrific to watch because in addition to everything else, Greeny, he's a communicator.
1: Yeah. He's very good, and he's a very good guy. You'd like him, and he's a Connecticut guy, and he's a very good golfer. So we should make that happen sometime soon.
0: All right, let's talk about the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, I, I, You probably think it's a little premature after just one game. And and by the way, by the way, and nothing against what we saw from Daniel Jones, because it was as stunning a debut, Greeny, as I can ever remember. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Bowles, your former coach, did not exactly cover himself with glory glory with his defensive schemes in the second half against the big blue on Sunday.
1: I think that's true. Um, here's what I will say about Daniel Jones. Um, I, like everyone, I'm fascinated by it and all of that. We had Pat McAfee on my show yesterday. We have him on Mondays. He's a very interesting person. And he told me a story off the air, and we're going to have him do it on the air at some point. We didn't have time for it yesterday. But he told me something I didn't know, but it's very public, so I'm not talking out of school. He, he, he went through a period where he was arrested for something, something, I think public intoxication, something like that. He himself, Pat McAfee, and while he was a player. And he said that he was humiliated, that everyone in the world came down on him, that the criticism was overwhelming, that everyone, just the world gave up on him, chewed him up and spit him out. And he said that when I hit rock bottom... What happened was I was able to switch. I have got to a point where I just didn't even care anymore. It got to a point where I didn't even care what anybody was saying anymore because it just couldn't possibly get any worse. The criticism of the selection of Daniel Jones, and thus I suppose the criticism of Daniel Jones when he was drafted, was unlike anything I can ever remember. You tell me. I remember fans booing Donovan McNabb. I remember fans booing, let's just say, Chris Tapp's Porzingis in a different sport. I don't remember the overwhelming volume of criticism. From people in the industry, not fans, but I'm talking about people whose job it is to analyze this stuff, and not just hot take type of people, but people who are credible and knowledgeable. The the level of criticism the Giants receive for making that pick, and, and I suppose you would have to say Daniel Jones was for being that pick, was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And and what Pat's, uh, his, what, he was, what he was positing to me was that at some point you just... It gets so overwhelming that you just have to start ignoring it. You just switch it off and you just move on. And I think we have seen that. Either that or he is the most mentally tough person ever because he has never blinked. He has been perfect in every opportunity he's had. Now, preseason is what it is. It it is only as meaningful um, as you want to make it. But – All he can do is go out there and do what he can in the preseason. You couldn't do it any better than he did it in the preseason. Then they put him in this game, and whether Todd Bowles is or isn't a good coach and whether the Buccaneers are or aren't good, you can't ask him to do more than he did. So you really can't ask Daniel Jones to this point to have done any more than he has done. So either he is as mentally tough as anyone I can imagine, or I think Pat is right. I think sometimes you reach a point where you just run out of – you know, uh, I'm thinking of an expression that we won't use on a family-friendly podcast. You just run out of, of out of out of ability to give a darn anymore. You just, I, don't, I don't even care what anybody says. I'm just going to move on. And um, I think he may have reached that point, one way or another. I give him all the credit in the world because what what the way his pick was treated was. Unlike anything I've ever seen in all the years I've been covering this stuff, which is almost 30 years now. And what he's done to this point, at least, has been absolutely extraordinary.
0: You know, it was it was it was a very interesting and complicated moment. Okay, I don't think people were as outraged about the pick as they were when the pick came. And then there was there was also a bunch of hoo-ha where, where the general manager said, Oh, he knew for sure that two teams were gonna take him if he waited till seventeen, which is when the Giants had their second pick right. in the first round. Well, first of all, he didn't know that because uh, I don't know about you, Greeny, but when's the last time you felt the teams were sharing what they planned to do between six and seventeen on the night of, of, of the draft?
1: No, it's and worse than I, so that, I think actually. it was what, what
0: when they are, took him.
1: Not only are teams not sharing what they're planning to do. They are purposely sharing misinformation. They are purposely putting erroneous, false, and phony information out there in order to try and throw other teams off the scent. So I agree with you completely. That was a ridiculous thing for Dave Gettleman to have said.
0: Okay, so here we are. Here we are. You know, their schedule. I, I always said when you look at the Jets and the Giants schedule, the Giants had a much easier, not easier, but better early season schedule so they can win some games, except now it gets complicated because they've lost uh Saquon Barkley for six to eight weeks. And
1: they have a terrible defense. I mean, absolutely terrible. As you and I are talking, Mike Evans just caught another 60 yard pass. I mean, their defense is so incredibly bad that they're not winning anything. So the giants, let, let's, let's make it clear. I don't care who their quarterback is. They're not winning anything of consequence this year, but that's Okay. Because if they spend, this is why going to Jones when they did turns out to be, I think, phenomenal, because now you can spend the season doing what the Jets tried to do last year, and to some degree did, which is spend the season developing your quarterback of the future. It's exactly the right thing to do. Play him as much as you reasonably can as a rookie so that next year he's ready to win, and hopefully they can put a football team around him that is ready to win. With or without Saquon Barkley, that team isn't winning anything of consequence this year, because in their own division, the Cowboys are much much better than them and the eagles forget about their record are also much better than them so the giants aren't winning anything this year no matter how good daniel jones is but that's okay because they 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 have a lot they can accomplish anyway and i believe they will
0: greeny i don't think either one of us is surprised that patrick mahomes is simply building on what he did last year i you know to me he's the steph curry of of the national football league he's got that kind of appeal that kind of magic to him that kind of talent what else have you seen so far is 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 if if mahomes is obviously the headliner in the afc um has has lamar jackson surprised you because i'll tell you about lamar jackson anybody who knows me knows this i i wrote it at the time i've been saying it ever since i thought he was the steel of that draft I love this kid. I never bought into the idea that they would have to switch positions. I thought he was going to be a streak of light in the NFL, and nothing he has done since he got on the field has surprised me.
1: No, he's, he's been really good, and I actually emerged from that loss against Kansas City more um, confident in him going forward rather than less. To me, however, the, the, the next best player in the AFC is, is Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson, the combination of whatever uh, role he plays in all of the hits that he takes and the role that his coaches and coaching take in all the hits that he takes, to me, are the next biggest story because that is a kid who I think is spectacular. I mean, so good, it's ridiculous. If you're asking me who's the next best quarterback in the NFL after Patrick Mahomes, if healthy, it would be Watson. Watson. But he gets hit on every play. They were a little better this week, and maybe the acquisition of Laramie Tunsil will start to bear fruit here. Um, but if he doesn't get hit on every play, if he doesn't get knocked out, I think the Texans, because of him, are a legitimate a legitimate team. I think he's that kind of good. And, look, there are a lot of really good quarterbacks in that conference. You have the old ones. Uh, Roethlisberger, unfortunately, is gone now. But you have Brady and you have Rivers who have teams who I think are more than likely – We're more likely than not going to be contenders towards the end. And then you have all the young guns. You know, let's see what they can do. Uh, Can Lamar Jackson make a real run this year? Can Baker Mayfield get it turned around in Cleveland off what's been a, a really rough start? Can Deshaun Watson stay healthy in Houston? Is Jacoby Brissett really that good in Indianapolis? And there are more. There's a bunch of good young quarterbacks. Minshew mania, for crying out loud. Is Gardner Minshew for real? There are a lot of good young quarterback stories in the AFC. But to me, the best of them if he's healthy is Deshaun Watson but that is a very very big if.
0: Greeny so much happened uh in the NFL on 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 Sunday but uh, you know I I urged people uh in a parting shot on the sports reporters podcast to go look at the play Deshaun Watson um, had. It's going to be one of the plays of the year because I thought he was down. He disappeared. I think he's about to cross the line of scrimmage. He does a little schoolyard pass and and that's the play that wins the game for the, the Texans. We lose sight. You're absolutely right. We lose sight of how gifted this kid is and how he may have been on his way to an MVP in his rookie year until his knee exploded.
1: I think he's great, and here's, you, you, that play is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The next level of great quarterbacks, people talk all the time about ability to run, make plays with your legs, all of that. The next level of great quarterbacks, which is to say starting now and I think going forward for the foreseeable future, are guys that you, you will never be able to be a great quarterback if you cannot win from the pocket. But the next level of great quarterback is the guy who can win from the pocket, but then can also make that play. And there are a handful of guys now in the sport who can do it. Uh, Mahomes is obviously a guy who can do it. And Deshaun Watson is a guy who can do it. And look, there's nothing about Deshaun Watson that should take anyone by surprise. Deshaun Watson was as good a college quarterback as we've seen in forever. Uh, Who does to Nick Saban's defense is what that kid did to them in back-to-back years in the championship game. So nothing about him should surprise anyone. I think he is a super Star, But what he's not, he has hosted my show with me. I've had Deshaun Watson sit next to me for two hours and talk sports. And he's a terrific young man, but he is not a big young man at all. He is a a slight, he is slight of frame. Um, And he is a guy who just cannot take the hits that some of the other bigger guys probably can. So to me that is a major concern. I think he's tough as it gets. The legendary story last year we had to bust to a to a game because he, he, he couldn't fly because of the beating he had been taking, and he still goes out there. I think he's as tough as, he get, as it gets. But they have to make sure that he just doesn't get hit as much as he does, because he won't make it. He won't hold up through an entire season. Um, and that would be a real shame, because he's just that good.
0: Well, this is a perfect segue. Are, were you and are you a Kyler Murray denier or a Kyler Murray believer?
1: I definitely was a Kyler Murray denier. I, am, I, I see now as I watch him play what it is everyone loves about him um, because he, he obviously has a dynamic quality coupled with an ability to throw the football that meets the criteria I just gave. The height, I think, remains a question. We'll see. What I'm not is a believer in this offense that was going to change the league, uh, change the sport as we know it. Um, that's going to be a, a, a rebuild. Like The Arizona Cardinals are a bad team. That's a bad football team. There's a reason they were the worst team in the league last year and had the number one pick in the draft. They're bad. Um, and it's going to take them a while to get good. And there's no notion that what Cliff Kingsbury was bringing was going, to, was going to set the league on fire the way Chip Kelly legitimately did for a little while in Philadelphia um, obviously is not materializing. So I think Kyler Murray has a chance to be a really good player, but I think it's going to be a while before he's playing on a really good team.
0: And a reminder that today's episode of the Mike Lubica Podcast with Mike Greenberg is sponsored by, of course, GEICO. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to GEICO.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? it just may be the most rewarding to do you do today all right right, I, I hate to do this but the antonio brown situation has become the reality series of the national football league um i, I just wanted to ask you this and and you saw the tweet storm the angry tweet storm from him The other day okay and and i we're both in agreement that he's acted like a chowder head he may have just set fire to millions and millions of dollars but mike was there in the midst of all that mess was he making a a valid point about his former quarterback and his former teammate ben roethlisberger who has now gotten past all of his issues, okay, and 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 has become this revered veteran presence. And and remember what we were saying about him at the time when women were making accusations about him. Did Brown was the was there a valid point in there somewhere?
1: There probably was, and um, the Ben Roethlisberger transgressions that we are talking about took place when we were living, I know it doesn't feel like that long a time ago, but it was a different world we were living in, um, in the way that things like that were viewed, which is to say people, were, people found it despicable But it was not cause to just say, we wash our hands of you and don't want you anymore. And I'm not making a value judgment right now on whether that was right or wrong. I I believe that we have progressed. We have made progress in this area since that time. Um, But it was a different time. If the exact circumstances that Ben Roethlisberger had were to take place now, I think the reaction to it would be completely different. I think that the way the league dealt with it would be completely different. I think the way the organization he plays for – Dealt with it would be completely different. We live in a different world, even though it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. As far as Antonio Brown himself is concerned, however, here is my overriding feeling on all of this. The one thing that I think we can say with certainty it is very dif- uh, dangerous to psychoanalyze people from a distance. I've never met Antonio Brown in my entire life. He has certainly exhibited any number of behaviors that would lead one to question whether he is a person who has some really significant problems um, that that need to be dealt with. But I can't say that with any certainty because I sit from a distance and I watch. But the one thing I think we can say with certainty is the one thing that has been a hundred percent certain with him going back to the beginning of the summer is that he does not act like a person who wants to be a football player he, he does not act like being a football player is very high on his list of priorities and If you want to be a professional football player, you and I both know that sport well enough to know that it has to be some, it has to be first on your level of priority to be to deal with all the things, all of the physical pain that goes into being a pro football player. You have, that has to be your number one priority. That has to be something that you want desperately. And he has never once demonstrated over the several, last several months that what he really wants is to be a football player. That I feel like I can say with certainty. And that isn't his biggest problem, and it isn't the reason that I believe he will never play again. But that is the one thing that I think is clear, and I think it is the one consistency in the behavior that we have seen from him now going back to the the moment he was traded to Oakland.
0: Hey, listen, you know, the, the, the real deal with Antonio Brown, Greeny, the only thing that can permanently disqualify him from the National Football League if he starts kneeling during the National Anthem. Don't you agree with that, Mike?
1: Yes, I, I certainly understand the point that is made there, and and I understand people's frustration with that circumstance. Um, and yes, that 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 is the one. Colin Kaepernick remains the one player who was never given the opportunity to play. And look, the hypocrisy of that is is obvious, and and it has that that is a point that has been made eloquently by so many. Um, that 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 I think it it. Um, I I think it almost speaks for itself. What what fascinates me is where the line on that is drawn, which is to say, um, if Colin Kaepernick were, are there any circumstances under which Colin Kaepernick would ever have gotten another, any team would have signed Colin Kaepernick? And, you know, I think that the answer is probably no. And I understand people's disgust with that, um, it, is a, it is a topic that I think when, when the, the history of this period of time in sports is written, I think that will be one of the first chapters, is the way that circumstance was handled. It, is, it, has been, um, it has been fascinating to watch, and I think it has not been, to say the very least, it has not been the finest hour of a lot of people who have been the decision makers involved. Okay,
0: I got two. Mike Greenberg, by the way, just just did his own show, so he's been nice enough to take this much time. I always keep him longer than I said. I'm going to ask you two college football questions, handle them in any particular order. Um, one, will Jim Harbaugh be coaching Michigan next year? And two, going into last Saturday night, did we under evaluate Notre Dame or over evaluate Georgia?
1: Well, let's start with the first one because I find it fascinating. And I went to school in the Big Ten, so the Big Ten is always the conference that I paid the closest attention to. And when I first broke into this business in in Chicago in the early 90s, the quarterback of the Bears was Jim Harbaugh. So I have known him that long, and I have remained extraordinarily interested in him. I thought he was an absolutely great NFL coach. I actually had occasion to look up the numbers today. The San Francisco 49ers were just awful. Before he got there, he got there and they were immediately great. They had three consecutive seasons in which they could easily have been in the Super Bowl. One Richard Sherman pass breakup, one game against the Giants in which they muffed a bunch of punts. Um, would have, they would have been in three straight Super Bowls in the NFC. And they were one play away from winning the year they got there against Baltimore. So I, I thought he was a great NFL coach and I thought he would be unbelievably good at Michigan. And it was not until this past Saturday that I changed my mind. This past Saturday, for them not just to lose at Wisconsin, but to be completely embarrassed at Wisconsin. For the first time, I thought to myself, it's not going to happen for Jim in Ann Arbor. And I never thought he would leave there because of his lifelong connection to the university and Beckler and everything else. I thought he would go back to the NFL after he got that team to the top. And that didn't necessarily mean winning a championship, but certainly winning the Big Ten and getting into the playoff one year. I did not think he would leave Michigan until he had accomplished that. This past Saturday was when I changed my mind. I I now think there is a really good chance he will leave there, that they will come to the conclusion that it's just not going to happen. And in an honest moment, he himself will come to the conclusion that it's just not going to happen. So I think there is a real chance he'll be coaching in the NFL next year. And I do think there are teams out there that will want him. Um, The second one, oh, Notre Dame. I don't think we should be surprised that Notre Dame is good. Um, you know, Notre Dame is a good team. Um, I, I think there are a very small handful of really good teams in college football. I think the space between the the best teams in the country and – the next level of best teams in the country has grown significantly in this era of um, increasing facilities and television coverage. And I think Notre Dame is on the right side of that line. Um, You know, they played a terrible game against Clemson last year, but you know what? The final score of their loss to Clemson last year was actually closer than the final score of Clemson's win over Alabama last year in the national championship game. Maybe Clemson was just that level of good. So I think Notre Dame is a good team. I think Brian Kelly is a good coach. I think he gets a lot of negative coverage because a lot of people are disinclined towards liking him because particularly earlier in his career there, he he had sort of an unlikable demeanor on the sideline and turned off a lot of people. And I think a lot of people tend to dislike Notre Dame. Um, So I think people sort of have it in for them, but they're good. And, And I wasn't that surprised they played a good game against Georgia and had a real chance to win. Um, I think they're done now, unfortunately, for them and for their fans. I, I, I don't think they can recover, and that's where not being in a conference really hurts them. I think uh, Georgia could have recovered from losing that game and still made it to the playoff, and I do not think Notre Dame can. So that's where um, the, the not being in a conference part comes back to bite them. But I'm not, the answer to your question is I'm not that surprised that they played a good game against Georgia because I think they are good and better than people usually give them credit for.
0: Everybody who knows what I think knows that I think Mike Greenberg is the most talented person who works for ESPN. I love having him on this thing. Um, his show gets better and better. Thank you for doing this today, pal.
1: Uh, my friend, it is always a pleasure. And do we have one moment for me to say something else? Sure. So one of the first conversations, I, as anyone who listens to our this podcast knows, I also, um, not to date you, but I grew up reading your column, and you always wrote about your family and things like that and that was one of the reasons that i felt comfortable enough to talk about my family a lot on my old show mike and mike my new show doesn't really lend itself to that um but one of the things that you wrote a lot about during uh the course of time and you mentioned your kids briefly in this conversation was taking your kids off to college and how difficult that was each time i remember you writing after you took one of the boys off to school that it never gets easier no matter how many times you do it and i remember When Mike Golick's first child, uh, Mike Golick Jr., who now hosts the show with him, went off to college the first time, the two of you talked about it on the air on Mike and Mike, and I just sat there. Well, I lived through it last week myself. So we took our daughter, Nikki, uh, who is the older of my two children, off to college a week and a half ago. Um, uh, She goes to Northwestern, which is – so she goes there on trimester, so much later than most of the other kids – who go to college in late August. She didn't go until mid-September. So we just took her off to college a week and a half ago. And boy, let me tell you, and I, I hearkened back to those conversations. Um, everything you guys told me was right. That was one of the most, I don't know that I would say hard, because there was a lot of really delightful piece to it. But it was definitely the as emotional as I've been about literally anything in my life. And I just wanted you to know that I thought a lot about the conversations you and I and, and Golik, in fact, had at that time um, when you were going through it and Mike were going through through it because your kids are about the same age and here I am several years later and I, I finally it finally was it was finally my turn last week and it was everything you told me it was going to be that's for sure all
0: right so who who was worse you or Stacy?
1: Um, I was much worse. <laughs>
2: was, See, that's the way it was. Yeah,
0: that was the way. It was. Uh, yeah.
1: uh, Nikki was by far the least bad. So, so everyone always said um, she's going to be fine. Anyone who knows her knows she's a very mature kid. She's going to be fine. And I kept saying it's not her I'm worried about. Um, it's me who is never going to get through this. You know, it's. It's just impossible to believe, Um, and everyone has said to me that our relationship will hopefully only grow and and, and get even better, and I I count on that, and I do believe that to be true. Um, But there is just no changing the fact that it is just, you know, that your life for a long period of time becomes the group of us. In our case, it was the four of us. And in your case, that you know, the six of you for however long you know you had all four of the kids in the house. For us, you know, it was it was 16 years that it was the four of us. It's a very long time. Um, And so just that dynamic changing is just something that was very hard. But the answer to your question is Stacy, who has the ability to compartmentalize, certainly was emotional about the whole thing. But she she was able to function. Um, I, who have no ability to compartmentalize, have been non-functional, not dysfunctional, (laughs) non-functional for a good for a good two months now. um, And I'll let you know when I come out the other side.
0: OK, I'll just tell you, two, I'll, t- I'll tell you, two, I'll make two more observations. One, wait until she does probably what our daughter is doing now, which is having her semester abroad. Uh-huh. Taylor and I are going over to see uh, our daughter in, in Copenhagen in, in a few weeks. And, and here's what I really want to know. When you got home, did your friend Stephen walk into the kitchen or the living room and say, okay, there's going to be some new rules around here? <laughs>
1: no, no, I don't think he, uh, Stephen, whom you know is your biggest fan um and has read all of the books um is is uh i don't think he likes it i think there's a little too much a little too much attention right now on him i i don't think he's down for this at all i think i think he liked kind of at sharing at 50 50 and um now all of a sudden you know i i'm in there asking him questions and I, I think he's looking at me kind of like dad you need to go pay some more attention to the dog um because this is <laughs> these are more questions than you've asked me in a very long time and i don't think he's all that interested in the answers
0: well listen I, I i i i've been there pal and i know what you went through and i was a huge baby when it happened and it, it and let me tell you what you don't want to hear this today it ain't gonna get easier when you send your boy off to college too no
1: not looking forward to that i got two years left and and i'm not I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to living through this all over again
0: Michael, Michael, thank you for doing this. You you talk for a living and, and you, you, you're you generous enough with your time. I promise not to bug you for a couple of months, but it, it's always big fun for me to have you on.
1: Uh, you're never bugging me at all. It is my pleasure. Good to talk to you. And hopefully we'll do it next time under more pleasant circumstances when I'm not still reeling from taking my daughter to college and my quarterback doesn't have mononucleosis.
0: My my pal, Mike Greenberg. Um, this is why I love doing this. It's why they moved us up to two times a week. Continue to download, subscribe, Spotify, Spitcher, Pandora, it's a Spitcher, a Stitcher, uh, Pandora, Apple Podcast, wherever you get it, leave comments. I'm sure you liked what he said. He probably didn't like what I said. And we will talk to you in
1: a few days, everybody. The Mike Lupica Podcast is produced and distributed by Compass Media Networks in conjunction with Hiltzik Creative. For iPhone users, go to the Podcast app and search the Mike Lupica Podcast. Click on the Mike Lupica Podcast icon and subscribe. For non-iPhone users, you can listen on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform.